0: Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a fortnightly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation, and misleading marketing in an ever confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Talking about my favorite subject next, Rose, which is really, I think when you're looking at the skin, trying to work out what's going on, and I'm a big believer in saying the skin never lies, and it's always a reflection of what's going on internally, or what's going on emotionally, or what's going on in your environment. It's an organ, it's talking to us, and I think when we really start to tune into the skin and really have a, a close look and understanding at it, it's really telling us a lot. And so, for me, I find it absolutely fascinating what you can tell from looking at the skin.
1: Of course, and there's so much, so many inflammatory skin conditions now, um, and I'm seeing more of, more and more of it in clinic these days. Um, in particular, post COVID, it's been more because the stress levels have increased as well. Immunity has become more compromised. Environment now we are also dealing with a lot more pollution free radical damage. There's so many variables um, as to why, you know, skin is telling us the story that it is, but it's always connected to an internal response. Mm. And stress, you know, um, even with COVID as well, I've seen a lot more skin rashes
0: and things like that as well. So, and that can come down to immune system also. Um, anyway, I, I just, let's, let's get into it. Let's look at some of the things we can tell from the skin because I think this really, this gets, really really interesting and I think quite often um skin therapists will look at the skin for instance and they'll just say oh I've got a I've got a cream to fix that and I've had clients come and see me before when they've had issues with skin they've been to naturopaths who have put them on all these restricted diets they've taken them off dairy they've taken them off wheat they have put them on anti-candida diets nothing's got better they're in tears they've got all these supplements um I've had clients that have come to me that have been to therapists and they've been given different skin products. And each time they've been told, no, that one won't work, take this one. What are you taking that for? It's got blah blah ingredient. Don't take that, take this. And again, still haven't really got the results. And sometimes we've got to look deeper and think, well, why is that redness and irritation there? What's causing it? Is it something you are doing topically, like overexfoliating, for instance, um, stripping the skin with with harsh cleansers? Or is it something that may be coming from an internal imbalance or is it something to do with, you know, diet, for instance. And so this is when we've got to look deeper and be that investigator, if you like, because for me, quite often the skin will tell you when it needs more of something or less of something. And I always remember having a client that came to me and she had redness and irritation around the nasolabial folds. Been given all these different creams, nothing was working, it would keep flaring up. And I said, You know, I can give you what I think would be great for you topically, but we need to work out why you are getting this in the first place, because otherwise I'm just giving you a band aid approach and it's not really going to get get resolved. And, you know, I said to her, You know, I need to find out about your diet and your lifestyle. And the first question I want to ask is Does the redness and irritation come up when you're stressed? Um, And she said, yes, it does. And for me, that's the question I ask, you know, does it get worse when you're tired, you're stressed or run down? Because immediately that tells me, okay, well, we could be looking then at nutrition, because quite often when we're stressed, we use up more nutrients, particularly things like the B vitamins. B vitamins are very closely linked to sort of dermatitis, that type of condition. Um, We also then started looking at the diet. She'd cut out dairy. She'd cut out most animal products. Um, Again, that means she was probably not getting enough B vitamins in her diet. So we looked at addressing dietary factors. We looked at topical. What she was using, was that causing more irritation? We looked at something that was going to be helpful with skin barrier, looking at topical B vitamins, niacinamide. And sure enough, we dealt with the redness and the irritation, managed to get it completely under control. That client then became such a loyal client. She was sending all her friends whatever I said to do, she would do it um, because she trusted me and she hadn't got the results with anybody else. And I think when we can get to that level of trust with clients and when we can really look at what is the cause, not just what we can do to treat it. That's when we can really help our clients. But one thing I want to be very clear on is the importance of always getting a diagnosis because quite often when somebody comes with skin issues, it's important to know what you are dealing with. And what I mean by that is we can be the detective and try and work out what's going on. But Some skin conditions can be a manifestation of something more sinister internally or they can be a sign of disease. And so, you know, something that looks like rosacea may not be rosacea. It could be um, an autoimmune condition. It could be a cortisol issue. They need to have a proper diagnosis from a dermatologist and that is when skin professionals should be referring, if if that person hasn't already come from a dermatologist, to a dermatologist because that's what dermatologists are trained to do. They're trained to look at the skin and they're trained to know and to test for any underlying medical conditions and a lot of skin issues could be linked to underlying medical conditions. So I think that's really important first and foremost. Um, If anyone does see anything different on the skin or unusual, they go
1: and seek medical guidance for it. Yes. And that approach to skin is exactly how every practitioner should be taking their clients in their care. It's an integrative approach and that's what integrative means it's looking at that client as a whole person gaining the most understanding that you can to really try and know what's going on with their skin there's so many variables as to why a client would be getting inflammatory skin conditions and internal factors as external factors but being a credible therapist means you're staying within your scope of practice so if your client is telling you things that you don't really have that knowledge to understand if they have severe gastrointestinal issues if they have autoimmune disease you do need to refer to a practitioner that is a specialist to deal with that because unless that main driver is treated you are always going to repeat this cycle with that client where those flare-ups are going to continue so you know we can manage these skin conditions but that inflammatory response that autoimmune response that they're having within their skin is telling us a different story that something else is going on internally and I think Yeah, that credibility from a practitioner's perspective like myself is huge. So I always do integrate other practitioners with my clients if I feel like I need to, and I'll refer to people um, to treat those chronic conditions so that we can get the result for the client. It's patient outcome at the end of the day. That's what it's about. And, you know, it's not about self-diagnosing as well. So if
0: someone's got, you know, I don't know, a, a rash or an irritation or keratosis pilaris, It's about trying to find out what the cause is, not somebody going, oh, my goodness, have you tried cutting out gluten? Have you tried cutting out wheat? Have you done, which really has nothing to do with keratosis pilaris, just want to make that very clear, because that's another myth that circulates and drives me insane. But I, (laughs) I see these things on social media all the time about, well, cut this out, cut that out, don't do this, don't do that. And that is where the myth of nutrition in the skin gets really sort of convoluted because I'm a big believer in what we put into our bodies has a a huge impact on the skin. And it's common sense, right? Because skin cells require nutrients to function at their optimum. So of course, it's going to affect the way that the skin functions. However, um, it's not as simple as suddenly just, oh, let's just cut out this one particular ingredient or let's just eat one carrot every day and that's going to transform my skin or let's just pop this one pill but still keep drinking copious amounts of alcohol and still eat a junk food diet it's not that simple it's about the diet overall eating a well-balanced healthy diet what we do every day consistently is what's going to make the biggest improvement on the skin and I think that's really important because we're always looking for that one thing that quick fix or you've got acne, it must be because you ate a piece of cheese. You know, it just doesn't work like that. And I think we need to start to think a little bit deeper than that. That, that really grinds my gears when I hear all, all of that and see all of that on, on social media.
1: Yeah. And it's getting back to that same thing, like the variables that they're so different for every single client. So we need to look at these clients as a whole. We need to gain an understanding of what they are um, consuming on their daily life in their diet, because that has a huge impact to the behavior of their gut, the behavior of their skin, and also the results from procedures. If clients are going to invest money in treatment and invest money in skincare, why would you not want to eat healthily to support your skin's Health and support the results of the treatment. So, a diet is everything. You know, I say to my clients, it's not like you can never have an alcoholic drink again. You know, if you are going out in two weeks and you want to have a drink, that's okay. But Doing this lifestyle consistently of a highly inflammatory diet, lots of refined processed foods, high sugar foods, lots of alcohol is going to impact the health of your skin. It's going to impact your collagen production, and it's going to impact the results from these procedures that you are investing a lot of money in. So we want to be consistent. We want to be able to, you know, lead a healthy lifestyle, make some more informed choices. It's going to support how we age in the healthiest way possible. You know, and alcohol can deplete things like your B vitamins, B1, your B12,
0: um, folic acid, it depletes zinc. You know, if people are having a lot of it, not just one glass now and again is going to be fine. So I don't think people realize that. And even what you eat. So if you've got a diet that's high in sugar or high in really sort of refined carbohydrates, your body has to process that, which means you're going to start to need more B vitamins because B vitamins – sort of generalizing here but let's just say b B vitamins are required more for carbohydrate metabolism for instance then you're going to need more if you're eating more of a really really high carb diet and high sugar diet right um Mm. or if you're working out a lot your body's going to need more nutrients and so if they're not getting that quite often that will show on the skin and you know for instance, quite often we can start to see things like really dry, cracked lips, and people go, oh, I, I need to use more lip balm. Well, why are the lips dry and cracked to start with? And if I see dry, cracked lips, then I start to try and find out, well, what's going on there? Because when we start to see that that dryness on the lips, quite often that can be a sign of low B vitamins, redness and dryness, Um, particularly things like your vitamin B6, your B2, um... And again, they're required for carbohydrate metabolism. So is it somebody that is having too much sugar, too many carbs, or is it somebody that is just really intensely working out and they're not giving their, their body enough of the B vitamins in the diet? On top of that, um, we see a lot of people cutting out food groups that may be where they're getting those b vitamins from so things like dairy products things like eggs things like um you know steak and, and fish products so if somebody isn't getting those in the diet then they may be more at risk of not getting enough b vitamins combine that as well with alcohol for instance maybe they're having more alcohol that's that's not That's depleting. They're not getting enough of the nutrients in the diet, Um, so that's where we really start to having to to dig deep. So, dry lips, I always start to ask questions, and then, you know, cracks in the corners of the mouth as well. Sometimes that can be related to, again, the B vitamins might be not enough B twelve b12 we tend to get mainly from animal produce you might get that in some yogurt and dairy and things as well or it might be zinc or iron related but if somebody's getting cracks then i would start to be asking you know are you vegan are you vegetarian if they're not do you have red meat do you have much animal produce in your diet because that might be where they're getting you know not enough of those nutrients and we start to see the cracks. But whenever I see cracks in the corners of the mouth, to me, that is a red flag that they are deficient.
1: And what about lack of antioxidants, Fiona? You know, lack of antioxidants um, in our diet can really lead to a lot of inflammatory skin conditions. Body makes its own antioxidants, of course, but that, you know, becomes less and less as we get older. You know, I'm seeing, you know, all sorts of inflammatory skin conditions now. What's the connection there with the lack of antioxidants in our diet? It's a great question, and I think when we're talking about antioxidants, your
0: body does make its own antioxidants, you know, things like glutathione, superoxide dismutase. Now we need the right nutrients for it to be able to do that, and what a lot of people don't realise is this whole concept of nutrigenomics is, you know, we need to eat these natural whole foods, these plant foods that are coming with vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and vitamin C, but they're also coming with these phytonutrients and phytochemicals, things like your polyphenols, and compounds implants that you simply cannot get in processed foods or in synthetic vitamin supplements. These compounds actually help to regulate genes in the body that can have um, more anti-inflammatory effects in the body, but they can also help to produce your own antioxidants, right? So, this is where it gets really confusing because the antioxidants we produce in our body are way, way more powerful than to rely on external sources of antioxidants in high amounts. And there are studies to show that even when we take, say, vitamin C at 1,000 milligrams a day, which is a mega dose of vitamin C, because what you would get naturally through food is way, way lower. And in food, not only are you getting the vitamin C, but you're either getting other nutrients and other plants phytochemicals when we just take the isolated synthetic high dose you're actually down regulating your cells ability to produce its own antioxidants because if you think about it that external antioxidant is doing the work for you rather than your body have to do it itself so I'm a big believer in food first and foremost give the body what it needs through natural nutrition um, there's a time and a place for supplementation And I'm talking about synthetic vitamin pills. However, they do work differently in the body because they're at much higher doses. And so for every action, there's going to be a reaction. So when you start supplementing, you can knock out other nutrients. So I'm about doing it through diet first. If somebody has a deficiency, then sure, they may need to be taking supplements or synthetic supplements um, to regulate, you know, like a vitamin D deficiency or something like that. So there's a time and a place, but I think we need to look at food first and foremost to get that healthy, balanced diet. So antioxidants are important. We get them in the diet, but we also get those phytonutrients to produce our own antioxidants. Polyphenols, very important as well, which we get in all those deeply red um, and blue and deeply colored fruits and vegetables. If we don't get enough antioxidants, How to tell in the skin, usually over time, you're going to start to see things like pigmentation occurring in the skin, Um, pigmentation, particularly more that sun damage type of pigmentation. We know that polyphenols, for instance, help to protect the skin from UV-induced sun damage, and also they help to protect collagen from collagen degradation. So polyphenols would be found in sort of that Mediterranean-rich style Diet, but also that diet is also anti inflammatory as well because we're getting all those um, nutrients and anti inflammatory compounds too. As opposed to more the traditional Western highly processed food diet, which is more pro inflammatory, you know, a lot of, a lot of, um, Processed food, high sugar, high saturated fats. So it's all about balance and moderation, Rose. I think if you eat a predominantly whole food plant-based diet, you're getting all of those nutrients in. You can have the odd glass of wine, you can have the odd, you know, donut or ice cream. It's not about never having it. It's about getting the foundation right um, so that the body isn't then taken into a pro-inflammatory state. So if you're eating more pro-inflammatory foods, it's going to be problematic. Um, If you're not eating enough antioxidants, those antioxidants um, that you do have are going to be used or vitamin Cs and things are going to be used in the body where they're needed most. Usually the skin will be the last place to get it. And so we start to see in the skin, normally that sort of, it looks like sun damage and ageing, really. That's what Mm. you'll start to see. And I call it sort of a, a junk food skin diet um the skin will just not look clear and glowing and healthy i know when people literally don't get enough vitamin c then um one of the first early warning signs of low vitamin c intake you can get bleeding gums now again bleeding gums could be a sign of gum disease so we've got to look at all all reasons of why somebody may be getting that um Bleeding gums, you know, hair that's falling out easily, that could be a sign of low vitamin C, also follicular erythema. So, you know, on around the hair follicle, on the arms, for instance, sometimes even on the face, you can see little bits, little red rings around the follicle. That can sometimes be a sign of low vitamin C. And you can also see the hair, the very fine hair in the follicle, sometimes go almost like little corkscrews call it corkscrew hair that can be a sign so all of these things are adding up to sort of look at um possible low vitamin c and if it's chronic over time you can see permanent petechiae um, that might be on the body it might be on the face it may maybe capillaries on the face petechiae like these little red spots can also be sometimes when there's not enough vitamin C as well i uh, sorry not uh, vitamin C or vitamin K and vitamin K that can be produced in the gut so that could be then it's a gut issue or it may just simply be dietary as well so you can tell a lot by looking at the face
1: oh yeah and and You know, it's interesting when we become more proactive about really thinking about what we're eating and making more conscious choices with our diet, the undertone of the skin completely changes, the response changes, the skin barrier improves, and it becomes more resilient to the environment as well. You know, everyday environmental stresses, oxidative stress, like all of those things start to not become such an issue and the skin becomes less reactive as well. Um, can we overdo it with taking ingestibles, Fiona? You know, can we overdo it? Can we go a little bit too far with taking things, do you think? Definitely. That's why I think mm. food first and
0: foremost. In fact, some supplements can actually make the skin worse. Um, mm. You know, we know that actually vitamin B12 supplements in in high dose, particularly sort of um, when it's, getting straight into the bloodstream, that can actually temporarily cause breakouts in the skin. Now, I'm not saying don't do it. If you are low in B12, you need B12, right? So don't don't get scared on that. But sometimes supplements um, and even some B supplements can actually cause the skin to break out, even B6, for instance, in some situations, right? So if you suddenly stop- I have seen that in clinic, actually, yeah. So if you're noticing that you're getting breakouts, first of all, what supplements are you taking? Have they been prescribed to you? Is that something that you've just decided that you need? Are you getting more breakouts since you've been taking them? That's something you've got to think about. And we also know that some workout supplements and things like whey proteins and things like that can be problematic for some people, particularly with acne, for instance. So if somebody's working out in the gym a lot, they've got a lot of um, acne and they're taking all of these workout supplements, combining that with, you know, a lot of sweat on the skin that can also make breakouts worse in some cases, depending on the, the skin microbiome, what's causing the breakout. We need to look at all of these things. So definitely some supplements can actually make the skin worse. So we do
1: we do need to be aware of that. And uh, it comes back to diagnosis, doesn't it? It's diagnosing the skin correctly. It's understanding what the client's doing in their everyday life and recognizing these types of conditions in the skin and being reflective of potential deficiencies going on for sure. And also with Um, omegas, getting, you know, I'm a
0: big fan of omegas because most of us don't get enough omega-3 in the diet. mm. Um, But you also need to make sure you balance that out with, the right ratio of things like omega-6 as well because omega-6 is required for wound healing omega-3 tends to be more anti-inflammatory so you need to get the right balance so if you just supplement omega-3 at mega doses like really high doses just focusing purely more on the anti-inflammatory benefit you're going to have an effect on your omega-6 potentially in a negative way Um, so you could then start to impact how well your skin goes in wound heal- healing so for instance too much omega 6 could sorry too much omega 3 and not enough omega 6 could negatively impact wound healing um too much omega 6 and not enough omega 3 could be more pro inflammatory so it's about getting the right ratios and the right balance and this is why I'm not a big fan of megadosing with omega-3. There are even some studies that when you start megadosing with omega-3, you start to um, affect the the fatty acids in the lungs as well, and it could be more problematic for asthmatics at very high doses of omega-3 if you're not getting enough of the other fats in the diet as well, which is why. Balance is so important, Rose, and this is why it makes me cringe when I I see sort of on social media people say, "Oh, you need to take mega doses of omega three for this skin condition and this, that, and the other." I'm like, that's such an outdated approach. We now know there are other, um you know, phyto compounds that can actually have a positive effect on reducing inflammation in the body. It's so much bigger than that. You. You've got to look at the diet as a whole. You've got to get the right balance of fats. Um, Otherwise, you can can really knock out these biochemical pathways. So I'm a big fan of omegas, but it's about getting the right omegas and getting the diet right as well for optimum skin health.
1: So we can really throw our skin off course just by taking, you know, supplements that we don't need just because of what we've heard, you know, that that's that's huge. And I think clients do get quite confused as well. There's self-diagnosing going on, they, they're going into stores now that there's, there's ingestibles everywhere. They've got so much choice. How do they know that they're taking the right thing, you know? Um, so yeah, how, how, what's the best way for them to find that out?
0: Well, it all adds up as well. So, if you're getting nutrients through food and then you're getting all these different supplements, they've all got different amounts of nutrients in. So, before you know it, it could build up to toxic levels. You've got to be careful. I mean, even sort of really high dose vitamin C, that could potentially affect vitamin B12 levels. So, if you're already low in B12 and you're supplementing with other nutrients, that could, you could actually be making the problem worse. If you're low in iron and then you're supplementing with minerals and things like, zinc supplements, that can be affecting, you know, your mineral levels. So, again, you have to be really, really careful. You can affect by um, absorption when you, when you take other nutrients, and that is when you need really to see a um, nutritionist or a dietitian because mm-hmm. that is when they can actually help guide you. And, again, for me, it's a red flag. If you go and see a nutritionist or a dietitian, that basically loads you up with pills and doesn't talk to you about your diet run because Mm. that's the concern for me. And I have seen so many people, and I I say it time and time again, they come to me and they're in tears because they've been loaded up with pills. Nobody's spoken to them really about their diet and they've they've been given pills and been told what to cut out of their diet, but nobody's looked at getting the foundation of a healthy diet, right? That happens more times than I would like to say. And that really concerns me.
1: and And that's a common thing that does go on. When I first meet a client um ask them, you know under, are they under the care of a um, integrated doctor or a naturopath or nutritionist? Some of them that say that they are have got copious amounts of supplements that they're taking at home, and they've either stopped taking them because they've become confused or they're feeling unwell when they take them, or they're also getting these issues within their skin as well, you know, whether it's breakouts or whether it's redness in the skin. In particular, across the cheeks here, I think that's probably a condition that might be misdiagnosed with rosacea. So would you say redness predominantly in the cheeks here would be related to a vitamin B deficiency? It can be, yeah. Um... Mm.
0: It can be, and again, we need to find out about the diet. So again, mm-hmm. we've got to be very careful. To say this is this, this is this. We we have to ask questions. What we see on the skin can give us a clue, but it's not set in concrete. You know, there are a lot of different factors that could be at play, but that might just be a a sign of us to be able to go. Oh, it could be that. Let me ask a few more questions. So. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when we see that that redness and sort of capillary diffusion Mm. in the outer cheeks, it sometimes can be a sign of low B vitamins and I think it's B2. Um, Also when we're low in B2, sometimes we get capillaries that are quite visible in the whites of the eyes as well. So Mm there will be other things to look for and then we can start to ask a little bit more about the diet as well. Um, You know, are they getting flaking lips? Are they getting any cracks in the corners of the mouth? And then we can start to ask about the diet and their lifestyle and their stress levels because stress will also deplete nutrients, particularly B vitamins, magnesium and vitamin C, for instance. So it's a case of looking for the signs and then doing some further questions as well. You know, with perioral dermatitis, for instance, that's a a real problem. And I think we can For many, many people, and I think we can do a whole episode on that. But again, we first of all need to find out, is there anything topical that could be causing that irritation? You know, I find acids and things like that can be further irritating. How are they brushing their teeth? Have they got a toothpaste, particularly one that's got sodium lauryl sulfate in it, and they're leaving it and not rinsing it off properly? And is that causing the irritation? Sometimes it might be something as simple as that. Or is it more of a gut-related issue? Have they got a diet that's really high in ultra-processed foods and high in sugar? Are they potentially low in B vitamins? Are they low in zinc? They're the things that I would be looking at when, when we're looking at perioral dermatitis. Um, you know, check the diet, sugar and carbs, and ultra-processed food. Are they getting enough zinc and B vitamins, et cetera? And then we start to... to work our way on on a
1: program for them there's certainly a lot of periol dermatitis going on um I'm, i do see a lot of that in clinic so i'm finding this really fascinating i know a lot of clients will be listening to this and really having a lot of aha moments let's talk let's talk about um pigmentation disorders um and diet connection to that as well it's interesting to me that when people treat
0: manage should i say pigmentation very often we don't sort of look at what's going on internally and pigmentation usually is coming from internal disharmony of course we can get pigmentation induced by sun and heat etc even chronic stress can affect pigmentation we also know that certain medical conditions can affect pigmentation as well so we know there can be a hormonal element so we need to rule that out Um, But it's not always sort of the female sort of hormones like pregnancy type hormones or female hormones. It can also be when there's something wrong with the adrenal glands. So that can affect pigmentation as well. That needs to be looked in. And that's sort of obviously when a dermatologist would become involved. Sometimes when there is dysregulation of blood sugar and we've got things like insulin resistance, that can affect pigmentation as well. Sometimes we can get almost like um, a, a, almost a butterfly look of pigment, um, particularly on the upper cheeks here. Sometimes that pigmentation will be along the back of the neck and sometimes that pigmentation may be sort of darker staining under the arms. So then that would be something I would think you know this could be insulin resistance or related to that type of hormonal imbalance and that would need medical referral and then when that's all sorted then that pigmentation usually can be treated you may also notice that that person is also carrying excess weight around the abdomen as well Um, sometimes that might also be linked with breakouts in the lower jaw chin area and there may be hair growth as well so it may be there or it may not but You know, we've got to look at where the pigmentation is, what type of the pigmentation, and that might be giving us a link at what's causing it. Um, Also, with pigmentation, sometimes with nutrition, as I've said, you know, if somebody's not is eating a junk food diet, they're having a lot of alcohol, they're having a lot of medication or drugs, for instance, that could affect pigment as well. Um, If you think about the melanogenesis process, it is an oxidation and you know process in its own right. It also will get stimulated by inflammation as well. So if we're Mm -hmm. having a diet that's anti-inflammatory, full of antioxidants, that's going to help to minimise pigmentation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we would always be looking at increasing those richly red and dark purple fruits and vegetables, vitamin C-rich foods as well. That would be of benefit. We also know as well that with certain B vitamins, so vitamin B12 deficiency, for instance, that may show up as pigmentation, but it doesn't tend to show up so much in the face. It might be more in the hands, in the knuckles, and there's a darkening or a staining. Um, Sometimes that can occur with vitamin B12 deficiency. Um, You might also see darkening in skin folds. There may be darkening of the genitalia and around those areas as well um maybe even in the fingers and that is when somebody would need to make sure that they go and get their vitamin b12 levels checked so that might be a sign but it doesn't tend to show up it's not as obvious in the face but it will show up in other areas of the body so i you know i kind of say you know next time you want you're talking about going to get anal bleaching, you might want to go and get a vitamin B12
1: (laughs) test instead. (laughs) (laughs) Think about that first. Um, That's a good point. (laughs) Um, Obviously, as we get older, as females get older in particular, obviously that depletion in estrogen, um, cortisol starts to elevate, we start to get that tummy fat. Um, or that build up of fat around our tummy area. And then obviously from a dietary point of view, things that we used to eat when we were younger, things like sugar and having alcohol, don't necessarily agree with us so much. And then we start to see collagen breakdown, glycation. Um, there's all that type of thing going on that's so important um, that we have you know a good balanced diet as well. Definitely. And I think that you know, I'm a big believer in plants.
0: You know, that's my answer to everything. Eat more plants. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated. If you look at the Asian countries, quite often they just don't seem to have so much of an issue with things like the menopause and they do have a lot of plant-based foods. Plant-based foods in general are higher in what we call phytoestrogens. Um mm. When we start to have more that ultra-processed food diet, we're not getting enough of the plant foods. We're not getting enough Fibre and whole foods and anti-inflammatory foods and antioxidants, that's when it can be more problematic. So I'm a big believer in getting in the plant-based foods, which is a major component of that Mediterranean style diet, you know, plant-rich diet, lots of variety, lots of diversity, whole grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, fruits, vegetables, herbs and spices, these are all the things that we should be having in our diet on a daily basis, minimising the ultra-processed food. I'm not saying completely cut it out, you know, have a donut now and again, enjoy yourself, have the old glass of wine now and again. But if somebody is drinking alcohol every single day, they're not getting enough of the plant foods, um, that could be a problem. And then we can start to see things like the insulin resistance as well. And you see it, you see like that thickening of the waste. And when I see that in middle-aged women, I'm like, mm, it could be diet, that could be alcohol, there could be a lot of things going on there. But me, I am plants all the way. The first thing we've got to do is look at the diet and give that an overhaul. And normally, I, my my biggest tip is look at eating at least 30 different plant foods a week. And that's where the the evidence is at the moment. And that's going to support a healthy gut which in turn helps with things like inflammation in the body and helping control that etc helps with hormones, helps with everything basically and when we say 30 different plant foods a week that does mean what I just said you know different brightly colored fruits and vegetables you know if, if you have apples have different colored apples that's all going towards your 30 a week. Nuts, you know, have mixed nuts instead of the same nuts all the time. Get as much diversity, nuts and seeds and different legumes. Um, The more diversity we have, it means we're getting different phytochemicals, we're getting different nutrients, we're getting different types of fiber, we're getting different prebiotics, and that is all absolutely crucial for a healthy gut, which in turn has an impact a very positive impact on our general health and well-being. So 30 different plant foods a week, nuts, seeds, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, herbs and spices, um, even including herbal teas and things
1: like that in there is all going to be beneficial. It's interesting when you take this approach and really look at your diet and start to introduce these types of foods, how much better you feel your coping mechanisms with stress are even better. Um, Inflammation within the body is certainly not driven as much when we're really monitoring our diet. You know, everything behaves better. Our gut behaves better. Just overall, we, we are just a healthier person. And I think we crave less of the unhealthy food because you feel mm. scared, you just want
0: to eat more of it. I've had people say to me things like, you know, Fiona, I've always struggled with my weight and, you know, I've always been on diets and I've always been, you know, restricting and just changing to 30 different foods a week, plant foods a week um, has changed their life. They've lost weight. They've got more energy energy. And that's the only thing that's worked for them. And it is such a simple thing. And if I say to people, if, if that's all you can do, you'll be amazed at what a difference that can make. Start there and start there before we start pulling foods out. Because gluten, for instance, I think gets a really bad rap. And, mm. you know, if you're eating gluten in the form of whole grains and with all the, the phytonutrients, gluten's not really a problem unless, of course, you're celiac. But if you're having gluten in the form of a highly processed, refined carbohydrate, of course, it's going to be pro-inflammatory. You know, so we've got to look at the bigger picture. How are you having these foods? It's not necessarily the gluten that's at fault. It's the highly processed, refined carbohydrate and the fact that you're not getting all of the other nutrients in your diet. So, of course, when you cut that out, you're going to see an improvement. But was it actually the gluten? So that's when I think, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago when the wellness thing was all very much about don't have dairy, don't have gluten. I think it's a lot bigger than that. We we need that anti-inflammatory diet. You probably can have gluten and dairy, but in what form? Is it highly mm. processed or is it, you know, fresh goats, cheese and beautiful yogurt? Well, probably not a problem for most people. And there are still a lot of, of dairy options out there that are low lactose. So, you know, we, we've got to think a little bit bigger, but ultra processed dairy full of sugar, yeah, that's not going to be so great for you.
1: Exactly. Um, and it's, you know, once again, making these changes, I think has a huge impact on on our body and our health overall. And if someone is really wanting to be proactive with their skin and really serious about their skin, um, I think it's always a good thing to ask them to do is to make a little food diary because a lot of the time we think, oh, yeah, I eat really healthy, but it's not until you actually see it visually on paper. You know, even if you keep a diary for a week and you see those patterns of things that you're eating on a daily basis, by the end of that week, you think, oh my God, I've had so much sugar. I've had so much refined carbohydrates. And sometimes clients don't even know that they're doing this unless you actually ask them to physically keep a diary. It's interesting, you know, that that can bring a lot of things to fruition. I think as a nutritionist, that's the
0: one thing people say to me, I, no, my diet's really good. And then you look at their diet and it's not healthy at all. They're, they're telling yeah. what they think is healthy. Oh, you know, I'm fasting till one o'clock <laughs> and then I'll have, you know, a sandwich and then I'll have this and I'll have that. And quite often, I'm not saying sandwiches aren't healthy, but a lot of the time they'll be actually having quite ultra-processed food or they'll be having very refined carbohydrates or they're having alcohol or maybe they're, they're trying this fasting because they think it's going to help them lose weight, but they're not actually getting the right nutrients in that restricted eating period, for instance, or they've read that ketogenic diet's really good, so they cut carbohydrates out. And that actually it's probably the biggest thing I hear. Oh, I'm eating really healthy, I don't eat carbs. Like, well, actually, that's not healthy. You need carbs for healthy skin. People don't realize that. We need carbs for wound healing. People don't realize that. For that healthy, plump and glowing skin, we need carbs, but we need the good quality carbohydrates Um, not those highly refined processed carbohydrates we also need carbohydrates for a healthy functioning thyroid gland so when people completely cut out carbohydrates and get carb phobic um, sometimes that will then affect the thyroid gland it can also increase cortisol levels and again it sort of worsens that problem of that thickening of the waste and then they're getting mm. tired and depleted and then they're then they're going for sugar and then they're going back to cutting the carbs again and they get in this yo-yo dieting and in fact have the carbs um but have the healthy carbs you know have the whole grains have the legumes but just try and minimize the really refined carbohydrate Often they're not eating enough protein either, particularly at lunch and breakfast time. So mid-morning, they're getting this drop in blood sugar. So then they'll go for something high sugar again, and they'll they'll have that. And so they'll go through this period of intermittent fasting. Then they're cutting out all the carbs, and they're exhausted. Um, And then they'll go on a binge cycle. And it's just this never-ending cycle. I also think the biggest thing you can do to help with things like energy and weight management is eat at regular times. So eat at the same time and every day. And I think I I spoke last time at your event, Rose, about the importance of routine that can make a huge difference as well. So that, you know, when you're having your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner, some people don't like breakfast, fine. Then have, you know, lunch and a snack and dinner, but, Make sure that your body knows when it's going to be eating and make sure that you're trying to have these healthy, well balanced meals. And think twice before you completely cut things out because when you cut out carbs, you're also cutting out important fiber, important prebiotics, you know, things that our gut loves. When we cut out dairy, then we're often cutting out some really important nutrients, particularly B vitamins. And so, again, we need B vitamins for healthy skin and things like healthy skin barrier. And dairy also has some good fats in. And when I say good fats, it it has some saturated fats in there. We don't want too much of a high-saturated fat diet, but we do need things like um, choline, for instance, for healthy cell membranes so completely going fat free is not going to be beneficial either it's all about balance and moderation
1: yeah and that's true it is balance and i know from you know personal experience you know we've all tried it at some point in our life where we think okay i'm going to avoid carbohydrates and and i want to lose some weight you know when you listen to those fads but if you do that not only does it impact the way that your gut behaves it impacts your bowel movements so what you said about routine is actually correct eating at the same times every day but also incorporating the right carbohydrates actually assists the functionality of your gut which means you don't feel so stagnant you feel lighter your food's becoming more digested um, and it's not absorbing toxins from high amounts of protein that are sitting in your gut and not being digested correctly as well and also if the
0: bowels aren't regular that can affect the skin right? And quite mm, most definitely. Suggestion and, and breakouts in the skin. And also quite often people don't eat enough volume. So then they're saying they're constipated when quite often it's because they're not either moving enough or they're not eating enough volume. So they may be eating enough calories, but they're not eating enough volume. So I make a point every day of having a huge volume of vegetables, you know, the amount of vegetables I eat. I think it's quite normal, but for most people, it'd probably be what a family of four eats, but it really should be what Mm. we should all be eating. You know, I think five to 600 grams of at least veggies a day. I have a pile and that's the only thing that will keep my bowels regular. And if I, if I don't do that and I'm traveling and I don't have that volume of fiber and
1: vegetables, then that will affect my bowel function for sure. And it's going to affect um, our immune system. It's going to affect our hormone levels because our gut's not functioning right. That gut flora doesn't have the right metabolites to to make it perform on a healthy level. It just creates an entire knock-on effect. One of the questions that I ask clients in a consultation is how often, you know, what their their bowel movements are like, how regular they're going to the toilet. And I know straight away, if someone isn't going to the toilet regularly enough, and I've heard of clients not going to the toilet any more than once a week. That's a serious issue for their skin because their skin is experiencing breakouts. Um, It it just looks like it doesn't have enough oxygen. It looks almost gray. So, you know, whatever's going on in the gut is going to impact the skin. And that comes from our diet. Not adding enough fiber is going to impact the way that we perform on a daily basis. For sure. And then you know, then they can go and take more fiber
0: and go and get some sort of bran for breakfast, but then they're not having enough fluid movement and they're not having, you know, sometimes just suddenly having a heap of fiber can actually have the opposite effect as well. So it's, it's really looking at things like, you know, fruit, vegetables, legumes, those types of fibers will be really beneficial for gut health and making sure you have enough volume as well. It's so important. What's
1: your take on, um, and I'm asking you this because I hear this from clients all the time, lemon water in the morning, high celery juice diets, you know, they're the latest things that I hear about all the time. What's your take on that? Um, look, lemon juice, if you want to have it fine, I don't really think
0: it does very much. And you've got to be really careful with with your teeth. But if teeth, it, if, if it makes you feel good, go for it. Um, with celery juice, I think just have a, a mixed green juice with celery. Celery can be quite um I don't know if "allergens" is the right word, but people can react. You can get sort of skin reactions from it when it's concentrated in that much. If they're having a lot of mm-hmm. it, um, celery contains what we call soralins, um, so it can make your skin more photosensitive. So if you're having celery juice and going out in the sun, now I'm not talking about just like the old glass, but some people are literally having big glasses of you know every day or three times a day not great and you know so mm. it can actually be a skin irritant for some people if it's working for you then okay but I think you're better to sort of mix it up with other uh, vegetables as well but there was that's a, a really good point well there was a bit of a rise you know I was seeing um, or a lot of people were telling me they were having a bit of an issue with skin reactions mm-hmm. and there was this big craze on celery juice and mm. again you know it does contain compounds that can make the skin more photosensitive and more reactive. So if you're overdoing it, then that is a possible side effect, you know, like more sort of rashes, eczema-type responses in there as well. So that's something else we need to be asking, you know. Are you juicing? what are you having in your juice? How much are you having? Juicing's great, don't get me wrong, but too much of anything isn't going to be a good thing. And I think the celery juice thing came from a guy that claims to talk to spirits, that claims that celery juice is going <laughs> to be your cure all and quite frankly written all these books, has no medical background, no nutritional background. It was just a way I believe that he can make money.
1: Wow. <laughs> I actually did not know that that's where it came from.
0: Yeah, it comes from the medical medium.
1: Yeah, I was I knew the medical medium, but I see then I didn't know his experience. So he's going out prescribing these things without having the proper education behind him as well.
0: Yeah, and he gets round it by saying that a, a a ghost told him, basically, a spirit told him. Oh, wow. But people, so believe, what I- people believe this. I had a client come to me that wasn't having aches because he says don't eat eggs. That's just
1: crazy, yeah.
0: So, and and this is the problem: people believe these unqualified people. They then get scared of certain foods. Mm. Um, they become paranoid about them, and then they stop eating them. And I, I've met these people that like copious amounts of celery juice. They won't touch eggs because it, he said something about eggs c- stimulate a virus in the liver. I I don't know what he was talking about because some spirit told him. I, I just think you've got to check out the credentials, but this
1: guy has got a huge following, huge. I know. I know he does. And um, I did not know myself about his qualification or lack of qualifications. So how does he get away with saying these things? Because he's implementing a lot of people's lives in the wrong way. Well, it's because spirit told him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask my spirit tonight.
0: <laughs> well, my spirit tells me there's something not quite right. With his spirit. So anyway, so our, spirits aren't, <laughs> our spirits aren't communicating because my spirit thinks, what a load of crock.
1: <laughs> I'm with you on that one. So what are our takeaways today, Fiona? What can we take away from this conversation? It's been great info. Look, there's so much. like
0: We, we didn't even cover half the things actually that I wanted to talk about and we can do it in another another episode. But, but basically... You can tell a lot from looking at the skin. You know, our skin really can be a reflection Mm. of, of what's going on internally. And I think don't go cutting out major food groups for no good reason. It's not a good idea. You can become nutrient depleted. If you're cutting out food groups, do so under qualified nutritional guidance. And if someone tells you to cut out a food group that isn't a qualified nutritionist or dietitian, then really they don't have any right to tell you to cut that group out don't go self-diagnosing make sure you get a balanced healthy diet right first and if you do notice any kind of unusual skin changes seek a medical diagnosis that really is important just to make sure that any um, underlying condition is ruled out or even any underlying you know, severe nutritional deficiency has been ruled out first and foremost. And that's when you would go and see a dermatologist.
1: Good advice. And let's not listen to any random spirits any time in the near future. (laughs) About telling us to drink too much celery juice. (laughs) Or not eat eggs for breakfast. (laughs) Absolutely. Too funny.